the day before yesterday, I told you I was going to surprise you. And uh, what a day that was yesterday. A little different musically than usual, but certainly something else with that magnificent writer of the United States and some rather interesting anecdotes, huh? Adela Rogers St. John, most magnificent guest. Anyway, today, as I promised you uh, a couple of days back, we were going to get to a thing called the Panassier Sessions. This is a reissue of very recent vintage called LPV 542, for those of you who collect things. Uh, Hugh Panassier, of course, is the gentleman involved. I first met him in London in 1936. He's the guy who organized the Hot Club of France over in Paris. And, of course, immediately London had to have one. And uh, we had the Hot Club of London going. He came over with some very good people, including the late and great Django Reinhardt. And that is the only time I have ever had the privilege of seeing him or talking to him. And it's very difficult to recall too much of what went on. And I'm going to use some notes that he has written himself. He, of course, is a prolific writer. Uh, he's recorded legendary artists for years. And he's got some 15 books out on the subject. And they're all most excellent. They're something that's well worth reading. Mr. Panassier is a great, great writer. He has a new one out, which I don't have yet, and which I have been trying to get but I'll get it from France sometime shortly, and it's called The Real Jazz, and it should be uh, quite interesting. He came over to New York in October of 1938, and I'm going to read what he recalls about this particular time before I play what you're about to hear, because he had intended to organize some recording sessions. Jazz was uh, in 1938 in the middle of, I guess, what's called the swing era with the big bands. Much in evidence, of course, there were a lot of good ones around, uh, Duke, Basie, Lunsford, and so on all full of first-class soloists. And Mr. Panassier says he was very fond of them, but they were very successful, making a lot of wonderful records, and they didn't need his help at all. What he did want to make was some New Orleans-style records, as the type of jazz was not being recorded anymore. The last re record session in 1938 that he could recall of uh, pure New Orleans jazz had been made by a group in 1932 called the New Orleans Feet Warmers, a small band led by Tommy Ladnier, or Ladnier if you prefer, but he prefers Ladnier, and Sidney Bechet. In fact, the full name when they played the Savoy in Harlem was Ladnier's and Bechet's New Orleans Feet Warmers. That's uh, how they were built. Anyway, 1938, New Orleans jazz uh, was by no means a thing of the past, and some jazz historians have stated that it was, but uh, Mr. Panassier does not agree with them, and I'm afraid I'm on his side in this particular issue. And he also says that uh, most of the great New Orleans musicians born during the first years of the century hadn't even reached the age of 40. They were musically active, but had uh, disseminated to various orchestras, none of which were playing New Orleans jazz. And uh, he says it should be very well known that the trumpet player is one of the key men for any New Orleans-style performance. Without the firm, strong, on-the-beat trumpet lead, you can't get a typical New Orleans front line. And the choice of the trumpet player was one of his main preoccupations, and it turned out to be his most difficult. Louis Armstrong, who he considers the greatest of them all, and I don't think we're going to get any uh, static on that, uh, was under contract to another recording company, not Victor, and so he couldn't possibly do it with him. And strange rumors were circulating that uh, Tommy Ladnier was dead. But uh, nobody in town that's in New York seemed to know where he was, and Zudi Singleton was pretty sure that Tommy was living somewhere not very far from New York. And Panassier kept on asking all over town about Mr. Ladnier during his first weeks there, and he still couldn't find him. 
Anyway, in the interim, he picked out people like Milton Metz-Mesero, not only because he was the best white clarinetist to play the New Orleans style, but a good band leader. Zudi Singleton, the great New Orleans drummer. Elmer James on bass, who, of course, was a disciple of Pops Foster, if you like to recall back that far. Teddy Bunn, magnificent guitar player, was featured. James P. Johnson on the piano. That formed the rhythm section. And there was no New Orleans trombone player around. And Metz suggested that instead of a trombone, they put the fine Sidney to Paris on second trumpet. And when Sidney heard, uh, Mr. Panassier recalls that we wanted Tommy Gladney on first trumpet, he said, he is the man. That's in caps. Anyway, days passed by, and nobody was able to discover anything about Mr. Gladney. He delayed the recording dates. Metz suggested that uh, we walk through Harlem one night and ask everywhere about Tommy. And Panassier said they started about midnight. Metz knew hundreds of people in Harlem and would stop at every place in 7th Avenue and say, is there anybody here who knows Tommy Ladney and where he is? And after about an hour of this, somebody walked out of a billiard room and came to Metz saying, sure, I know Tommy Ladney. I just wrote him a letter that I was going to mail. The man handed us the letter, and I added a few words to it, asking Tommy, whom I'd met some years before in Paris, we're quoting, of course, Mr. Panacea here, to come and see me. He was living in Newburgh, a little town not too far from New York. Three days later, Mr. Ladney was ringing Metz's doorbell, and disgusted with the restless New York agitation, he'd spent the last years in small towns playing with a trio and giving trumpet lessons. And when I told him some thought he had gone crazy and was in an asylum, he replied, crazy maybe I am, but I'm not in an asylum yet. So uh, <laughs> anyway, they all found each other and got together. He said he was willing to make the records, and they started in on November 21st. And you're about to hear those sessions, uh, not necessarily in order of the way they were done, but uh, you're certainly going to hear the one to start off with that was done seven days later, on the 28th of that particular session in 1938, in November, featuring Tommy Ladnier and his orchestra with Tommy on trumpet, Sidney Bechet, and Metz Mesro playing clarinets on this particular side. Cliff Jackson is at the piano, Teddy Buns on guitar, Elmer James on bass, and Manzi Johnson made this uh, second date because uh, Zudi, I guess, couldn't show up. And this is the utterly unbelievable recordings of the Panassier Sessions. First, the Weary Blues.
Well, how about that, huh? That uh, powerful clarinet, of course, is uh, Mr. Bechet's. Well, it's something else. And uh, he really wails. Anyway, the uh, best performance for the trumpet part, Ladney leading the ensembles, and, of course, taking a solo with utmost ease in Sydney to Paris, heard that recording of Weary Blues and said uh, uh, that uh, <laughs> he was really just walking down a street in New Orleans. And that's uh, about as good as a musician can say it to another guy on the same day, didn't it? On this uh, second session of these deals, which was recorded, as I say, a week after the first ones, when I mentioned the date, we're not going to do them in order necessarily, because these things have something else going for them. Actually, uh, Sidney Bechet, who plays clarinet and, uh, of course, soprano sax, and magnificent soprano sax, as you know, uh, was making a comeback at this time in a place called Nick's Tavern in New York. That goes back a long way. Uh, in the studio, he renewed, of course, an old partnership with Tommy Ladnier. Metz was on tenor for two numbers and played beautiful clarinet in the duet you're about to hear. He discomposed this the thing at the time with Bechet, and it's called Really the Blues. And uh, later on, if you've ever read Metz Mesro's book, that's the title of it, Really the Blues. This is exactly the same gang with the accepted Bechet plays soprano sax as well as clarinet.
have really the blues. That's an old Bluebird side. And uh, actually, these were all issued on Bluebird, I think, in their original, uh, shall we say, the light seal Bluebird. Would you believe that yet? You remember that light label on Bluebird? That's before they turned to the dark blue? Really, it's something else. Anyway, we're going to stick with the same session here. There's two more. The only switch here uh, off of the weary blues that you heard first and really the blues is uh, Mesro plays tenor sax on this one and uh, Bechet plays soprano and clarinet and every all the other personnel are just the same. But this is the old bromide on when you and I were young, Maggie, things were never like this. more coming up here, the legendary tune written by the late and great Mr. Bob Carlton, who used to have a place called the Jada Club up here in Sunset Boulevard, and Bob and I used to sit around when we were first with Armed Forces Radio, as it was called then, back in 1945. We spent many a happy evening up there with Jack Teagard and a whole bunch of the old clowns. We used to sit around talking about the old days and what was happening. It's always nice to reminisce, and uh, they all kept playing great things, as you well know, all the way through until... They went on to the happy hunting ground of all great musicians. And this is Mr. Carlton's Jada, played by exactly the same gang that you just heard on When You and I Were Young, Maggie.
How about that, huh? Well, that takes you back a spell. Some fabulous people. Mr. Tommy Ladney, Sidney Boucher, Mets Mesro, Cliff Jackson, a great piano player, and Teddy Bunn. Oh, what a magnificent guitarist this guy was. You're going to hear some things by him shortly that are something else. Elmer James on bass and Manzi Johnson on drums. The uh, next thing we've got coming up is uh, done on actually the first date that was done a week before the things you've been listening to. We'll get to that momentarily because we've got another old jazz hound here who knows a lot about all kinds of jazz that goes on. He's never walked down the street in New Orleans, but he sure walks down our Air Lane Avenue here all the time. Why don't you uh, pop in and say something prolific today, right? Hi. Uh, this is old Flippert with a whiz of wordom. I mean, uh, a word of wisdom from poor Flippert's almanac. <clears throat> it's true. Bonds have more funds. United States savings bonds, that is. So, uh, if you are not personally involved in some sort of savings program, how about rectifying that deficiency? Or uh, at least doing something about it. Like, you know, uh, acquiring some United States savings bonds. I will relate to you, in no uncertain terms, how this can be gone about. You can secure United States savings bonds uh, through the payroll savings plan. You'd be surprised uh, how many bonds you can accumulate with an allotment of your monthly pay. The minimum monthly allotment, uh, which isn't a lot, is $6.25. And you know what this buys? I'll tell you. Every three months it buys a $25 bond. Check into the United States Savings Bond Program. It's a painless way of becoming part of the affluent society. I'm a member of the Affluent Society. Out of name's Flupert. Yeah, I figured that's who it was. Otherwise, uh, somebody was mimicking you. And uh, that's very good advice, as always. Thanks, Flup. You're listening, by the way, to the Bill Stewart Show, coming your way from the Hollywood studios of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. And today we are doing the Panassier sessions with old Hugo Panassier from the Hot Club of France, who came over in 1938 to make the recordings that you're listening to. Actually went on into January of 39. This next thing, uh, we're jumping around. This goes back to the first date on 11-21, which is the 21st of November. And it features uh, Milton Metz-Mesro and his orchestra, as it's called. And this features Ladnier and Sidney de Paris and the trumpets, as we mentioned when we were giving you the rundown earlier. It also features the magnificent James P. Johnson at the keyboard. It features the magnificent Teddy Bunn, and that's uh, with a capital M on guitar. Uh, Mr. James again playing bass, and it's Elmer James, and Zudi Singleton, of course, on drums. This revolutionary blues is rather an interesting thing, and uh, you will hear some great stuff in here because Tommy Ladnier plays the lead uh, in... Uh, the first and third choruses, if memory serves me correctly, of this revolutionary blues, which is a beautiful thing. It's a 32-bar blues, actually. There are a lot of different kinds of blues, but this is a 32-bar blues. City to Paris uh, leads the second chorus, and I would say that it's uh, possibly a great example, for those of you who dig great music, of uh, maybe the difference between the typical 100% New Orleans beat, Lavier, and the close to New Orleans beat of De Paris. So, uh, shall we have at the Revolutionary Blues here? Mm-hmm. 
Stewart with you here in the Sanctum Sanctorum, and we're doing the Panassier Sessions, the fabulous things with Miss Mesro and company. Interested that you enjoyed that uh, revolutionary blues. If you ever uh, get to hear that again, and you would play, uh, I would say, oh, let's see, maybe King Oliver's uh, Creole jazz band, uh, like uh, Sweet Lovin' Man, uh, you'll see a tremendous resemblance to the pure New Orleans style of the King Oliver Band in that particular performance of Revolutionary Blues. No doubt about that one. Now, this next affair is one of my favorite collector's items, and I'm glad they've reissued it because their masters are a lot better than my old Bluebird side on this. This is something that I've treasured. I've got two copies of this. As a matter of fact, we played this in the show before. Coming on with a come on, parts one and two. And in this particular affair, which is naturally a head arrangement, uh... You will find that both guys alternate on the first part. Uh, Ladnier will lead the first two choruses of this particular thing. And then uh, the third one, uh, DeParis comes in and takes whatever growl trumpet uh, that you may want to hear. Does a wild job. Uh, and pay particular attention in this part one to the magnificent gut-string guitar of Teddy Bunn.
the tempo's going to change, and this is part two of the same composition. Coming on. Come on. Come on, parts one and two, I'll tell you. Coming on with the come on, actually, to say it properly. But certainly wild stuff, isn't it, huh? Magnificent performances throughout. And how about that part one, that Teddy Bung guitar thing? It's really something else. The whole gang, of course, is a great thing. We're going to revert to the third session here, because actually uh, Mr. Panassier says in his notes that uh, he was supposed to go to Chicago, and he had intended to record uh, Jimmy Noon and Johnny Dodds and Baby Dodds uh, in Chicago. And he says more of the New Orleans boys were in Chicago than in New York at the time. But uh, it didn't materialize, the trip, that is, and he had to do the last session in New York. And he wanted to record something different. And he selected some first-class swing musicians, he said, as they were called in those days. And (laughs) what are they called now? (laughs) I really don't know. Anyway, uh, he picked out some loverly people like Cozy Coles on drums, the late and great Mr. John Kirby on bass. Al Casey was on guitar. A guy by the name of Frankie Newton, who was a great trumpet player. 
just wailed in on trumpet. A fellow named Pete Brown, another good alto sax man. I don't know whatever happened to Pete. He's probably passed on. I haven't uh, heard about him for years, so it's possible. And uh, James P. Johnson again, who was one of Mr. Panassier's favorite pianists, and he hadn't had a chance to do much soloing on the first date, and Mess Mesro was around still because he had been so much help in getting all the guys together. And in 1939, January, in other words, following Christmas on the 13th of January, they got together and they did six sides. And Mr. Panassier feels that the best of them uh, were three. They are in this album. But I'm just going to play one of them at this particular juncture of the proceedings. We're going to take an old thing called Rosetta, which, as you know, is wildly featured with Earl Father Hines and uh, kind of belongs to him as a tune. But uh, I think you'll dig what happens on here. It's actually billed on the Bluebird sides. It's Frankie Newton and his orchestra featuring the people I just uh, mentioned. And here is Rosetta. <laughs> How about that, huh? 
Rosetta, Frankie Newton and his orchestras, it's called. Uh, we may not get them all in today. If we don't, we'll continue it tomorrow, and we'll uh, get back to Frankie Newton later. Uh, I made a misnomer. I think I said that was the third session. That was actually the fourth session that was done, because on the third session, that uh, the first was 1121 and 1128, and then there was one on the 19th of December of uh, the same year, which actually was the third session, and Mr. Panassier says once again in his notes, and I must quote him, at least in part here, he said he'd been so impressed by both Tommy Ladney and Metz Mesro's playing, he decided to make a recording with just these two guys and a three-piece rhythm section. And he got Pops Foster, that legendary bass player from New Orleans, who happened to have just turned up in town at the right time. Teddy Bunnigan is on guitar, and Manzi Johnson, of course, is uh, playing the tubs. And... On December the 19th, they did a session that had a whole bunch of good things in it. Royal Garden Blues, and uh, if you see me coming, ain't going to give nobody none of my jelly roll and stuff like that there. We're going to play uh, first with Mr. Ladney on trumpet, Mets on clarinet, Bun on guitar, Pops Foster. Now, there's... Boy, if you haven't got uh, tape recorders out, kids, because this is something else. Uh, <laughs> to get Pops Foster with a cleaned-up master yet. And... Uh, Mansie Johnson on drums, and here is the, of course, magnificent old Royal Garden Blues.
Oh, yes, indeed, huh? This next one is just exactly the same gang again, the Mezro Ladnier Quintet, as they're called, and uh, the same bunch, except that uh, the irrepressible late and great Mr. Bunn uh, does a little vibrant vocalizing on a tune called If You See Me Coming. Shades of the Ink Spots, man. Now if you see me coming I show window high If you see me coming I show window high And if you see me going Hang your head and cry on the guitar and doing the vocal on if you see me coming if you happen to tune in late shame on you you missed a wild bunch of good things here today we're about to uh, wind it up and we will finish this uh, next time around with uh, some of the other things from the same session and then some from the final session with uh, the other group the Frankie Newton Orchestra that we played the Rosetta thing from earlier but uh, out of uh, New Orleans came an awful lot of great stuff one way or the other. And, of course, uh, Ain't Gonna Give Nobody None of My Jelly Roll is a legendary title. It's a legendary riff, if you want to call it that, or phrase. And the same gang get together here, 
Mr. Ladney on trumpet, Mesro on clarinet, Teddy Bunn on guitar, the legendary Pops Foster playing bass, Manzi Johnson on the drums, and, uh, as Floop says, it's all mine, baby. I ain't gonna give you none of my jelly roll. Uh, bounces along. Huh? Ain't gonna give... We'll give you some more of all this jelly roll tomorrow, though, if you're gonna be around same time, same spot in the dial. And we'll finish up this fabulous album called the Panassier Sessions. Mr. Hugh Panassier, who is uh, so world-renowned from the days when he organized the Hot Club of France all the way down, a great author and certainly an expert on jazz who came over to the United States in late 1938 and made these rather definitive performances with Mesro and Ladnier. Bill Stewart, thanking you for your time. The good Lord willing, Creeks Don't Rise will do it again tomorrow. Same time, same spot in the dial. Till then, don't blow your cool. And remember, this is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.